Alright, hey everybody, welcome into Living Off the Land, this is episode 211, I'm Dan here with Steven, we're back, and it, uh, it's another week, another one to put on the board, so to speak. So, uh, I am, if I'm in and out of this episode, it's because I'm just back from uh, Hocking Hills, uh, went with the family uh, over the weekend, and just got back today, so uh, if you heard the crack of the uh, can, um, the beer of the week is actually a uh, a seltzer. We're getting some nooners tonight. Nooners. High noon, hard seltzer, vodka and soda, uh, watermelon. This was in my fridge. I don't know how it got there. Uh, I don't know who brought it, but thank you, because that's what we're drinking today. Mm-hmm. High noon, hard seltzer. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. Watermelon, high noon. Uh, go and get it. 100 calories, v- real vodka, real juice, 4.5% alcohol by volume. It is, I'm going to, I think it's got to be one of the best seltzers on the market. Um, Very, very good. So, yeah, that is uh, the beer of the week. I mean, it's not going to, well, let's see, rate it. <sighs> It's going to be a little bit different because I can't really rate it on the beer scale because it's not beer. So I'd say on the seltzer scale, I've had pretty much all seltzers that are out there on the market, um, at least like the uh, the big dame ones. Uh, I'm going to go 8.2 on this for the seltzer. 8.2 for high noon. I'm drinking the watermelon. They have uh, all different kinds of flavors. Um, peach, guava, mango, pineapple. Lime, lemon, um, all the flavors. And uh, obviously a great drink to have during the summer. And uh, with Memorial Day coming up, uh, we'll definitely be looking to have some more uh, high noons for sure. So that's real quick to the point, short and sweet. But uh, beer of the week, actually, beer of the week, it's not really a beer. So, uh, well, whatever. That's the segment name. So we're going to keep it that. Beer of the week is high noon hard seltzers. Uh, specifically tonight, the watermelon flavor. High Noon is owned by Barstool, of yep, course. They is, are. Which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, really enjoy their yeah. content. Uh, in the short and sweet vein, the uh, B-Can <laughs> is... <laughs> if you listen to our episode last week, I got called out by our guest, Jordan uh, Hoffman, for uh, apparently being dyslexic and uh, uh, misnaming our Better Know a Neighborhood segment, or at least shortening it with the, uh, uh, boy, I am a noodle right now. My brain is like, <laughs> my brain's still traveling up from uh, Hocking Hills. Yeah, so Better Know a Neighborhood, you know, B-K-A-N. Whoops. But, of course, no sounds phonetically like an N, so we were saying B-N-A, and then we were throwing a K on there. Neighborhood, which, I mean, I don't know how we did that, but be that as it may... Uh, we continue our journey through Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. Of course, we stepped out briefly outside the city of Cleveland last week, uh, going to East Cleveland, which I actually called the penalty box of Cuyahoga County. Tonight, we're going to an area that has 
no residential population. Okay. Uh, what? What? Yeah. Excuse me. This neighborhood of Cleveland has no people living in it. Riddle okay. you that, Batman. Uh. Explain. This neighborhood is the Industrial Valley. Oh. How can you call that a neighborhood? Well, it's called a neighborhood. Is it? Yeah, it's on the neighborhood map of the city. So, how do you have a neighborhood with no neighbors? It's where all the factories are. So, I wouldn't call I it a neighborhood. I told you it was going to be short and sweet. So, Industrial Valley, the if you don't want to call it a neighborhood, you can just call it a area. Industrial zone. Runs Along Cuyahoga River, which basically forms its entire western boundary, going almost beside I-90, that's northernmost point, all the way down along I-77 and Independence Road. And then I-77 and Broadway Avenue more or less form its eastern boundary, going all the way up. If you actually looked at it on the map, it looks sort of like a uh, a man's collar and a tie. Interesting. Kind of just okay. take a look at it like that. Yeah. And in this particular valley, if you've ever been on I-490 or I-90 or I-77, uh, chances are you've seen the major factories that are running almost 24-7 down in this region. Hmm. Uh, these are you know, a lot of metalworking facilities, a lot of chemical coating facilities. Uh, you've got uh, ready-mixed concrete um, and a lot of uh, foundry-type work in this particular area of the city. Uh and a lot of the uh, shipping that actually goes through the Port of Cleveland actually comes directly from some of these businesses. So you get these large barges that come inside the Cuyahoga River. They just float right up, right alongside these docks behind some of these businesses, and they just load stuff right onto the boats right then and there. Um, there's actually a very large um, intermodal um, train station just outside the the Cleveland Post Office just off of East 14th Street. And... It's just a major uh, transport hub as well as uh, industrial uh, metalworking and uh, foundry work. So just naming off a few of the businesses down here, Osborne Concrete and Stone Company, which is a uh, long Cleveland mainstay. Fortuna Aggregates is there. Uh, Cuyahoga Materials, Cleveland Express Trucking. Buckeye Intermodal, which is one of those intermodal transport companies. Rockport Ready Mix, which is another uh, major concrete company. Uh, Cocosing Metals. Or excuse me, Cocosing Materials, which is uh, another material foundry. Uh, Reagent Chemical and Research, they're a little bit different. Uh, they're in more of the uh, chemical and uh, scientific research space. Um, Zaclon, uh, just if you actually go a little bit down just outside the boundaries of this neighborhood, this is where you have a major um, Arconic and Alcoa plant. Uh, that's technically in Cuyahoga Heights just across the border, but that is a major... Uh, employer to the city employs nearly 2,000 people on its own. Uh, I mean, that's that's really kind of the gist of it. It's you know this manufacturing and industry has been Cleveland's historic lifeblood of the economy and still is basically one A along with healthcare. Um, you know, you had some prominent athletes in the past come in here and joke like, well, you know, there's nothing to do in Cleveland. All there is is factories. Well, th this is the area that they were probably referring to. But uh, obviously, <laughs> they haven't been to Tremont or Ohio City or East 4th Street or the Flats or anywhere like that. So, um, But it's there, and it is uh, a very integral part of our city. So that's the Industrial Valley. That's another 
area if you don't want to call it a neighborhood. <laughs> and you can put it on the board. I, I mean, I guess. Yes. You can put it on the board. <laughs> That's so funny. Neighborhood. Nobody lives in it. <laughs> No, it's an interesting lead in, isn't it? Yeah, that seems like kind of like an I don't know. It kind of seems like an oxymoron. Mm. Yeah, neighborhood, but nobody lives in it. <laughs> well, anyway, that is our B can segment, a better known neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, what number is that for us? That's like number seventeen or something. Seventeen. Like that. Wow. That's well, anyway, uh, I got a bone to pick with uh, something, and. It's where I got my dinner tonight. Oh. And it's... I've got, like, two guesses, but you already told me so, but I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> I'd say two guesses if I already told you. Well. Um, well, anyway, so uh, I have been... If you follow me on Twitter, I've tweeted about this a couple times. Um, I'm of the opinion that uh, Chipotle's quality has gone completely in the toilet. Uh, over the pandemic. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's a lack of workforce and they're just understaffed, which a lot of places have been, but I don't know what it is. Let's talk specifically today. And I'm not going to name the location, although if you listen to this podcast and you know where I live, you can probably guess. I'm not going to say the location. Uh, I walk in. This is at 7.30 at night. And it's not... At first glance, you can't blame them for there being a long line when you walk in because they can't control how many people come to Chipotle. Chipotle is a very popular chain uh, across the country. So uh, I I wasn't initially blaming them for that. Once I got into the line, I could understand now why the line was so long because the line wasn't moving. Hmm. Because... uh, Apparently, they had a bunch of people working there that just either didn't care that night or they were new and were a little still a little tentative working, um, stuff like that. It was just so, – I'll just put it this way. It took me half an hour to get through the line at Chipotle. Oh, my. Yeah. But once I got into the line, I was pot committed. I wasn't going to leave. There was, a, there was a spot where I thought maybe, I'm like, okay, let, let me just hit a drive through somewhere. But I'm like, eh, whatever. So once I got about halfway through the line, my, you know how, and we need to have, a, we need to have, a, I think, a pet peeve segment uh, mm. on this show. Because probably my biggest pet peeve is when uh, people slow down to almost a dead stop to make a right-handed turn like into a industri- or into a residential area. Yeah, that's you're annoying. turning right. There's no reason for you to to slow down almost to a literal zero miles per hour to make that turn. None whatsoever. Not far off from the top of that list. With that is, I'm gonna try my best to uh, to do this the Jim Rome way. Guy who walks into Chipotle, goes through the line, whips out his phone, and decides he wants to order for the entire office. Uh, <laughs> That's a reason to go. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, male or female, whoever. It, it, tonight, it was, it, was a, uh, it, was, it was a nice lady. I'm sure she was nice. But she gets to the line, and, and she whips out her phone, and, and she, uh, the worker was like, what can I get for you? 
And normally, you know, if you're a single person in the line, if you're just one person, you get a bowl, uh, you get something for yourself and maybe, you know, a significant other spouse you can take home to whatever. This person takes out her phone and says, uh, can I have six burritos and four bowls? I'm like, are you kidding me? You start wondering where's the hidden camera. Yeah, now. right, exactly. <laughs> six I'm not kidding. Six bowls and four or six burritos and four bowls. Ten entrees for one person. You know, there's a thing that they invented called online order that you could do where you could do it from home, drive in, pick up the bag, and leave. They you can don't make it ahead through. of time. Yeah, so they don't have to spend half an hour making all that. Listen. If you're if if you go to Chipotle and you are a single person in your party ordering and you go through the line and you order more than two entrees, you're on my S list. Yeah, and that would go for pretty much any quick service eatery type place like Raising Cane's, yeah. Subway, uh Panera Bread, pretty you know, pretty much anywhere where it's like you gotta get up there and, and I mean even McDonald's is like well at least at least there like you have the drive through but so not only did she do that but she did the thing where you know where you order for a bunch of people and you whip out your phone because your order is all in text and she's going um uh excuse me uh yeah uh, on that on that bowl on that burrito can I get uh can I get half white rice and half brown um light pinto beans um um uh half chicken and half uh, barbecue I'm 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 you know I'm exaggerating a little bit on the uh, half and half and blah 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 but you know what I mean like meticulously going through every single ingredient on every single order that's texted to her be like um okay okay that one uh can I get pinto uh uh, uh pico de gallo um 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 and then uh just you know just a little bit of sour cream please um yeah no that's good okay um no actually uh, and then they because because somebody texted it to her out of order like like they'll be like uh yeah can i get uh on mine uh the text reads rice uh meat uh salsas and then underneath it says beans so they get down towards the line she goes um also uh pinto beans so then the guy that's making the order's got to go back to the to the beginning of the line where the beans are and then get the beans there. It, oh, my God. It was such a fr- – this lady's order took 15 minutes to make. And you don't know what those extra details are referring to order number three, number six, yes. or number eight. Yeah, and then she yeah. confused herself because the people that texted it to her texted her stuff out of order, so she didn't know what she was – it was an absolute disaster. Disaster. That one order took 15 minutes. Awful. You out there listening, you've been to Chipotle. You know how quickly you're supposed to be able to get your food. Uh, rice, beans, meat, salsa, sour cream, cheese, lettuce, maybe guac. Boom, 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 boom. It's designed like an assembly line. Like, you know, it was absolutely horrible. That'd be and not ter- to mention, not, I haven't even gotten to the food yet. I haven't even gotten to the food quality. The rice... Might as well have been mashed potatoes. The rice was so overcooked, it was like eating mush. How hard you're it's a Mexican grill and you can't make you can't correctly make rice. Not only that, 
It had an insane amount of cilantro in it. Now that's just a personal preference. I don't like. I like cilantro, but I don't like a ton of it, especially when it's been cooking in something and it gets all like soft and uh, wilty and, and and all that. I don't like it. I just don't like the consistency. Whatever. That's a personal preference. I can't hold that against him because that's just me. But if you don't know how to freaking make rice, and then they overcook the steak. The steak either. Either the steak was sitting in that uh, sitting in that steam table for an hour and a half, and naturally got up to a well done uh, temp, or they cooked it well done and put it in there. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't figure out which one's which. I mean, these are easy errors, and it's like the cardinal sin of making rice is making it too mushy <laughs> and too watery. The cardinal sin of steak is just plombing it. And that's, so and, they're all for two here. And for for. Uh, uh, they actually um, had everything in stock. They weren't like out of stuff like they have been for the last like year and a half. Mm. I'm way down on Chipotle right now, and I'm sorry. I used to love Chipotle. Way down on it right now. I just had to get that off my chest. It was just so bad, so bad, so bad. Oh, yikes. Well, anyway, uh, the. Cavaliers had the uh, draft lottery tonight, and uh, they are slotted exactly where their record uh, had them slotted. They were not one of the teams that were to jump up, and uh, they will be drafting 14th in the NBA draft this come this. Uh, I think the NBA draft is back in June. I think yes, yeah. So uh, the Orlando Magic uh, have the top spot. So. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure they'll swing and miss like they have the last two decades or decade and a half, but the, uh, I mean, who have they hit on in recent years other than Victor Oladipo, maybe who's, who's been any good. No, and he doesn't even play for them anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to see who, if there are any notable 14th. So again, this is this is the range where if you get really lucky, you might end up with somebody like Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Antetokounmpo, who were taken 14th and 15th respectively mm-hmm. in their respective drafts. Uh, I mean, right. that's so, that's your top ceiling situation. I mean, more realistically, we'll get through it. So just some notable uh, number 14 picks uh, over the last uh, 20 years. Uh. Cameron Payne in 2015, Bam Adebayo in 2017, Michael Porter Jr. 2018. I mean, it's not it's not an overwhelmingly great list, but I think 15. I think 15 is where you historically have guys like Kawhi Leonard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. But uh, hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, the Cavaliers have the 14th pick, and we'll see what they do because, you know, it's interesting. This is where Kobe Altman is really going to have to flex his uh, evaluation muscles because, you know, it's easy to draft when you're in the top five. You know, Evan Mobley at three, Darius Garland at five, although I will give him credit with Darius Garland at five. That was at the time – seen as a bit of a risk. That was a risky pick. I didn't want him to make that choice. Actually. Which which worked out. 
Um, but Evan Mobley at three was an absolute no-brainer. Let's see what Kobe Altman does at 14. Let's see who he can bring in. Let's see if he can be a contributor, contributor uh, a rotation player, hopefully a 3-and-D type guy if there's any available at that spot, hopefully. Um, we'll see. But uh, the Cavaliers are at number 14 in the uh, the NBA draft lottery. Um, did you did you see did you see Kyrie Irving had some uh, had some uh, things to say about the way his tenure ended in Cleveland? I don't give a you know what about what he has to say. Why? Not this point. I mean, whatever he's gonna say is just I don't know. It's like his his head is just not right. I mean, he just says ridiculous and thinks ridiculous stuff now. He's not the same guy that he was when he was here. Well, I'll always care what Kyrie has to uh, say or uh, or do because uh, he 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 won us a championship with with the uh, the most clutch shot in NBA history. So he did do that. But uh, Kyrie says that uh, he regrets the way that his tenure ended in Cleveland. Really talked a lot about uh, how he was immature at the time, um, how he didn't know how to handle certain things, and that's why he became isolated with the team. Uh, during the even the twenty even the the run to the championship and then after that uh, twenty seventeen you know just you know there were stories that came out in twenty seventeen especially in the playoffs where um, you know it was being reported that Kyrie wasn't even talking to his teammates in twenty seventeen that was that was your argument was that was that after he made the trade request or was this before no during during the playoffs in twenty seventeen. Hmm. When they were trying to go back-to-back, when it was seen like, well, I mean, depending on how you felt about the Kevin Durant situation, did the Cavaliers really ever have a chance in 2017? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say I, I think the twenty I think the 27 Cavaliers team is the greatest Cavs team of all time. It's even better than the championship team. Hmm. I think if, if, if the Cavs had uh, the 2017 team in 2016, uh, we don't have to come back from a 3-1 deficit. Wouldn't have taken them seven games to win the series. Yeah. Um, and I think the 2017 team uh, largely was similar to the 2016 championship team. They just had another year to gel and, you know, an, another year for guys to, to like Kyrie to uh, huh, mature. Funny saying that after uh, reading the comments today. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he basically Kyrie came out and said that he's like, if I if, if I had handled things better and uh, didn't end up making the trade request. He thinks that the Cavaliers would have uh, won more championships. Question is, would they have been able to outlast the Warriors? And would LeBron have ultimately left that team if Kyrie and Kevin Love and all those guys were still there? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big hypothetical. I mean... Because there's no doubt in my mind, if the Cavaliers had kept the team around intact for one more season... And stayed healthy. The way the Warriors kind of just fell apart in 2019 with injury and, and all of that with Clay Thompson and, and Kevin Durant and the Raptors just happened to be the right place, right time to win win the championship. That was the also yeah, there was Cavaliers also, would have been right there to win it. It was also yeah, that was the year that uh Toronto uh got Kawhi uh for that one year to basically be a championship mercenary for them. So that they would have been a you know, LeBron owned Toronto, but it wasn't the Raptors with Kawhi. So do I think that this Cavs team, had they stayed together and 
would have had still had the big three and the you know the pieces parts uh, around the big three, would they have probably still beaten Toronto with Kawhi? Yeah, probably. And then, like you said, with the injuries, you know, Tell you Toronto, what the- Toronto is like like I love the fact that they won that championship because they denied Golden State. But how effing lucky were they? Clay Thompson tears his ACL, and Kevin Durant tears his Achilles in the same series. Like. <laughs> That's essentially what happened for Golden State when they won their first championship. Right. Yeah. 2015. Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Separated shoulder in the first round. And then Kyrie cracks his kneecap in game one in overtime. That, like like I always keep saying, 2015 is the year that haunts me. Cavaliers were healthy that year. They would have won the title. And And I'll say this. That 2016 championship, I'm stealing a quote from Brian Windhorst, but he always talks about, he's like, that championship will age like fine wine. He's like, you will continue to go back and look at that championship, and it will just it's never going to lose any luster. It's only going to be more revered as, as time goes on. Because you look at that, the Cavs were going up against a 73-win team, a unanimous MVP. Uh, they apparently had all of that... Uh, you know all of that drama with Kyrie that I didn't I didn't know was going on during the championship season. I always thought it was the summer after 17 when he requested the trade, but no, he's been he was he was weird with the Cavs even during the championship game or championship se- season. Like they had so much going against them that season. They fired their head coach midway through the season, and they and they promoted uh, Ty Lue. To be the head coach and went on to win the championship, which I also thought was a ridiculous, horrible decision at the time. Wow, and, there were there were thirty they, there were thirty one and eleven at the time that they fired David Blatt. They, I mean, by percentage, they actually did better in the first half of that season than they did in the second half. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, think, I don't think they would have won the championship, knowing what we know about that team and the way that he motivated that team when they went down three to one. I don't think David Blatt's motivating that team to come back from three to one down. And, Ultimately, it. You know, it ended up being the right move to make because, you know, they won the championship. But, yeah, I don't think that team wins the championship with David Blatt. And then LeBron probably – LeBron might not last the four years here. He might – he might after, if we would have lost to Golden State back-to-back years and then they got Kevin Durant on top of that. Might have said peace. Yeah, LeBron might have pulled shoot and gone somewhere else. But but you're absolutely right when you say that this championship ages like fine wine. This oh. is one that that people not just in Cleveland will revere forever. We will, obviously, but nationally, this is one that people talk about for a long time. They talk about all those finals, the same matchup. Whenever you have the same matchup year after year for like a three-year stretch, in this case, it was four. Mm-hmm. That's something that people look back on for many, many years. You know, depending on yeah. what's depending doesn't even matter what sport it is. You know, you don't see it in the NFL very much. Baseball years ago it used to be a more common thing. Now it's not really. Um, the NBA nowadays is really the only sport where you sometimes get that. Um, although now it's actually changing a bit because you're now going to get a fifth different NBA champion in five years. Yeah. This year, now that. Which I gotta talk. A little, I don't know if this was on the docket for tonight, but I gotta talk a little bit about this. Yeah. So last year's NBA Finals was between Milwaukee and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee won the championship. So both of these teams were in Game Seven yeah. this past weekend. By the way, the uh, the Guardians just lost to the worst team in baseball. 
Oh, man, they hit the two-run home run to tie the game in the ninth, too. Yep. Wow. They blow it in the tenth and then didn't score. Hmm. hmm. Anyway, well, sorry. I didn't mean to so, derail your story there. So, game seven. Yeah. Two best words in sports, yep. right? Well, on Sunday, I don't think we've ever had two more flat, uninspiring. Oh, my God unwatchable game sevens than we had I mean Phoenix. in the NBA. And you know, I thought the Milwaukee Boston game was bad. Boston that, you know, was, that game was at least mildly was, entertaining until that, we got to the third quarter. That Boston was just went on the appetizer. Run. And they they won the game by I think they won by like twenty three or something like that. Phoenix oh. <laughs> comes out and scores twenty seven points in the first half. They, of they, the game. They tied Luka Doncic at halftime. I was just going to say, because Luka Doncic was asked after the game, yep. were you aware that you had as many points as the Suns in the he first goes, half? He goes, He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy's a stone-cold killer, I, man. I, lo- I love how candid he was about that. That like, guy is an absolute you know, killer. I, I wonder if he was, like, counting when it was in the second quarter. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, 27 so, points at halftime in a game seven? At home? <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. Chris Paul needs to just retire. And oh, go by into, the way. Go, needs to go into work with his buddy Cliff Paul. By uh, the and way. sell insurance or how something. Con- how convenient <laughs> How convenient was it to come out the next day for, for, uh, for the, uh, the media to report that Chris Paul had a, quote, quad injury uh, during that series. Like, oh, okay. Sure. I bet, yeah, yeah, I bet if they had won game seven, you wouldn't hear a peep about it. No. But no, oh, because, well, and and actually it holds water because all Chris Paul ever does in the playoffs is get injured. I mean, you talk know, about talk about one of the most overrated, and I'm not saying he's not good. We need to stop with this connotation that saying somebody is overrated is not good. You have to be good to be overrated. Chris Paul, yes, Chris Paul is a Hall of Fame player. The issue I take with people is that to say he's uh, quote unquote point god or one of the best point guards in NBA history. Get the hell out of here! How many championships does he have? Mm. And don't say that he, it's it's because he hasn't had teams around him. He's had plenty of teams around yes. him in his career. How many te- how many games the the Suns win this year in the sixties? Sixty four. Yeah. Okay. They were the best team in the NBA. Yeah. Hmm. Got it. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul, uh, who doesn't win a championship, will go down as one of the most overrated players in NBA history. I mean, what great yeah, play. Yeah, I don't what, doubt that. What great play. You know, if, if you put a championship on Charles Barkley's resume, he goes towards not – not obviously not putting Charles Barkley in the goat category, but he's seen in a completely different light. What's the first thing you think about when you think of Charles Barkley's career? The fact, he didn't win a championship. I mean, other than maybe he was one of the two or three best rebounders in NBA history. I mean, I, I right, but I mean, I'll like, stand by that. Like but, if you watch, uh, like if you watch NBA, if you watch, uh, uh, uh what's the show called on TNT? That uh, inside the NBA, inside the NBA. Sorry, thank you. Uh, what any time that Shaq and Charles Barkley get into an argument about you know something that's going on in basketball and they start talking about how uh, yeah who knows the game better or whatever Shaq just always goes Google me count my rings 
because Charles doesn't have any, and it's 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 just an absolute argument stopper. Yeah, like I, that's what's going to happen to Chris Paul because he doesn't have a championship, and and by now, how old is he now? He's not going to win one. I mean, Phoenix is going to have a mental block about themselves now. But, after that performance. No doubt the last year and this year was his best chance. Now he had some got chances to the, before. Credit to them, got to the finals last year. You know, even going back to when he was playing in New Orleans, you know, they had some good teams then. But then when he got to the Clippers, Clippers you know, all time choke jobs. They had some they on paper it. really good teams. And they, they, blow, just, they blew a three one lead. They never put oh that was the worst one. That was in twenty fifteen against the Warriors, wasn't it? That uh wasn't it, or was I hold wrong? On, hold on, no, 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 no. That I'm was mistaken. that was against Houston. I oh, believe. oh, that's Oklahoma City blowing the, to yes to Golden State in well, sixteen. But you're right; they had a three-one lead. That I think that was in like I don't know if that was round one or round two, but that was pretty bad. Yeah, and then he goes to Houston, and I guess I can't kill him too much about the Houston thing because they ran into the Warriors. Um, and he had to play with James Harden. Well, that's a whole that's a whole nother that's a whole another situation. But, who I also need to talk about here. Um <laughs> but yeah, so and what, what happens with uh what happens with uh Chris Paul when they have a three two lead uh in the series? He gets hurt. Lose. Yeah, gets hurt. Gets hurt and loses. Like don't have to ask Jordan twice about that that playoff run. Hmm. Um yeah, what did you have to say about James Harden? But anyway, yeah, Chris Paul. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, the only person who probably had a worse exit from the playoffs than Chris Paul was James Harden. That Philadelphia guy. actually didn't get to game six, but they almost, you know, the the I don't know if it was like a, it was like a month or two ago, you went off on the 76ers and how they were not a contender and it was this and it was that. And it was mostly because James Harden just like, is just like he's a faux superstar. He's not a superstar. Yeah. And so... One stat in Game Six against Miami, and Miami, the fourth quarter was embarrassing for the Seventy Sixers. Miami must have gotten like six offensive rebounds in the fourth yeah. quarter of that game. When when the Sixers are trying to mount a comeback to save their season, it's just the lack of effort was just appalling. And I'm I'm sure the fans in Philadelphia were booing them. But one stat was simply incredible from this game. James Harden in the first half shot like 5 of 9 from the field he had 13 points it seemed to be like a a pretty typical game for him second half of the game not only did James Harden not score a point he didn't take any shots yeah what yeah. the literal he's is a choke that artist. he's a choke artist the next time he the next time he performs well in a playoff series will be the first time he's an absolute choke artist you literally have to try to not shoot the basketball. Yeah, he's just not good. Like, he's not – I take that back. Not good. He, he's, again, it's like the Chris Paul thing. He's just not I, – I, yeah, I don't know. Is there something in the water in the Delaware or the Schuylkill River that is causing players on the 76ers to just lose their minds? Last year it was Ben Simmons, and now this year it's James Harden. With these just inexplicable, ridiculously – Awful and, got, and weird performances in the playoffs with the season on the line. Like, I don't get it. Well, you got Joel Embiid breaking his face. I mean, that didn't help, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, um, unbelievable, absolutely just, just crazy. One um, last, one last thought about the NBA here. Yeah. What does it say about the league right now that your top two vote getters in the MVP voting were are people from Serbia and Cameroon? Well, I think I think Joel Embiid should have won the award. I 
I, I agree. Th- that the most valuable player need like the the most valuable player voting system needs to start uh, taking into place or taking into mind uh, playoff performances. I've the said way, that for years and years. The way that Nik- Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets just, just, just like a fart in the wind just got eliminated from the playoffs, there's no way that he should have been MVP. Either that or announce MVP the day after the regular season is over. Why are you waiting until the I second would, round yes. of the playoffs to announce it when the NBA, the NBA playoffs is almost like a literal second season because it takes so long. The NBA playoffs takes two, takes months, two to, months to play. To play. So – why don't you just announce the MVP and include the playoffs with it? Because any any player on any team that doesn't make the playoffs, I don't care how good you are, you're disqualified from winning the MVP if your team doesn't make the playoffs in the NBA. You just can't do it. It's so easy to make the play. They've even made it easier to make the playoffs in the NBA, where you'd only have to get the 10 the, seed the play-in tournament. to be able to get in the play-in tournament. Stupid play-in tournament. So why don't they just include the playoffs to to determine the most valuable player? And even that, if you just want to go by the regular season, I thought Joel Embiid was better than Nikola Jokic anyway. So, if you were to fa- and and actually, it's funny you mentioned this because if you were to ma- to factor in the playoffs, who's the odds-on guy that you'd have to give it to right now? I'd probably right now have to go with Luka. Luka Doncic, yeah, Slovenia. You know, yeah. it it seems like the NBA is more internationally dominant now than it really has been at any other oh, time ever. in their history. Absolutely, ever. Yeah, because I mean like like even with even even as recent as like the Dirk era, I mean he was he was really like the only European superstar when he was at his height of his A powers. superstar, yes. I mean you had other guys out there but Yeah, you sure. Know. There were other guys that were pretty good, but the other it's like superstars. Like you were you were just you Pau just Gasol perhaps. Yeah. You I mean, I mean you just named three of them. Like just off the top of our heads, we named three of them. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, yeah, I don't. It's been an interesting playoffs, that's for sure. And uh, I don't want Boston to win. I don't want if it's if I mean, it's Boston gonna, if it's Boston Golden State. I'm not watching a second of the. I mean, we're playoffs. down to the final four now: Miami, Boston, Golden State, and Dallas. Yeah. You know, Dallas being the rank outsider at the beginning. You know, to get to this point, but they've got a real shot to go all the way. You can't you can't bet against Luca, man? I know this is as far as he's ever gotten, but. He's also really young, so and he's he's probably playing the best out of anybody that's still in the playoffs, as far as individually. Yeah, I so. mean the big question is, is he good enough to get by that you know leviathan of a team in Golden State? I mean, well, yeah, John Morant tried, and you know they went Memphis went down in six games. So. Well, he got injured, so yeah, I'm not gonna put that on. I mean, John Morant didn't play games four, five, or six in that series, so uh, yeah. Anyway. Moving right along here, um, I don't, I don't, re- I don't want to completely ignore it, but I don't know how. I don't really want to get deep into it because just, I don't think there's really anything we know yet. But the NFL has started their meetings with Deshaun Watson to kind of determine whether they believe he violated the personal conduct policy of the NFL. Um, a lot of reporting came out today that said that you know once the NFL gets to the player level of a situation like this, it means they're kind of coming down the end road of their investigation. So are we going to hear about a possible suspension for Deshaun Watson soon? I don't know. Uh, there's still a lot of ambiguity to it. So who knows? Is he going to get suspended? Is he going to suspend? Like, you know, he could not get suspended at all. He could get suspended the entire season. Who knows? We don't know. 
Talk about a talk about an absolute destruction if he gets suspended for an entire season. Hmm. Jeez. But uh, yeah, I mean, we still don't know a lot. We still don't know a lot, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it came out today that uh, although that's going on, uh, Deshaun Watson is chartering of jet and uh, has reserved a block of rooms at a swanky Nassau. Bahamas resort for the offensive players on the team. They're taking a team building trip to the Bahamas. So I guess when you get that 230 million guaranteed contract, it's kind of easy to charter a private jet and uh, basically book a block of a hotel in a swanky resort in the Bahamas. There's two possible ways. What's hilarious though. Sorry. What's hilarious though is, Supposedly, not everybody on the offense is able to go because this was this was brought up they as a surprise, and some of the guys don't have passports. Yeah, I can't get them in time. Yeah. So there's two possible ways you could play this. Uh, they're both kind of cheeky takes. So one is is that when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback, he invited most of the offensive guys to Austin, Texas. Like Travis, yeah. Some are saying that uh, this is a show that Deshaun Watson is a better leader because he's taking them to the Bahamas versus Austin, Texas. <laughs> Not that Austin's necessarily a bad place, but, no. you know, is it the Bahamas? No. no. Um, and then the, there's the counter-argument that says, okay, so they're going to go, you know, practice, but obviously they're going to spend a lot of time on the beach. They're probably going to hit the nightclubs or whatever. Uh, how many ladies are going to have complaints against Watson by the time he gets back in the U.S.? Oh, jeez. That's – good Lord. Way to keep things above board. Wow. I'm not even going to give you a hail on that one. Fair and balanced. Yeah, okay. Fair and balanced. My ass. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that's the situation right now with Deshaun Watson. Who knows uh, what actually is going on. Supposedly, he started meeting with the NFL yesterday in Texas. And we'll see where this goes. Um, I don't know if we're any closer to a resolution uh, than we were before. I don't know. So, we'll see. Uh, Browns scheduled to open up uh have their OTAs coming up and then mandatory mini camp in June and then they will go players will go away for about a month and we'll be back for training camp so it's get, gotta, it's getting close i got to say the way the schedule breaks down it's really it's really a shame that we're looking at a potential suspension for Deshaun Watson because or maybe you could say it's fortunate because the early depends schedule on, is easy. Depends on what you think of Jacoby Brissett. You know, could you know Carolina's early, the the New York Jets are early, Steelers are early, and the Falcons are early. Those are all teams that the Browns should realistically be able to handle. So you know, could could we win those games with Jacoby Brissett? I think absolutely they could. So, um, I mean, maybe, you know, I was actually going to usurp my own take there. I was going to say, well, it's too bad because if we have Watson, we definitely win those games. But at the same time. If you don't have Watson, you could still win them. You know, you're not playing, you know, teams like yeah. Buffalo and Tampa like you play later on in the season. You know, or even some of the other teams in the division. I mean, in theory, Pittsburgh should be the weakest of the other teams in the division, but we say that a lot and it often turns out not to be true. So Yeah, I mean, like I said, it depends on what you think of Jacoby Brissett. If you think Jacoby Brissett uh is a serviceable quarterback, then the Browns should be able to get off to a fast start given the schedule. Um, but we'll see. We don't even know if Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended. 
I don't know. At this point, I have no idea. Like I said, season or it could be nothing. I don't know. Could be anything in between. I don't know. I have no idea. What do you? Th- what did you think of the schedule in terms of the Browns getting uh, primetime opportunities? Only one outside of a Thursday, that being on Halloween against the Bengals, which I thought was actually pretty cool that they picked that day. Um, I think Thurs- that's. I think that's similar to what happened last year. I think we only had. I mean, Thursday night or early against the Steelers. I think that makes sense. That's pretty cool too. Excuse me. I'm yawning a lot. Oh man, sorry. My apologies. That's unprofessional. Um. Yeah, I think it's. I think we got the same amount of uh, primetime games we got last year, if I remember correctly. Um, a Thursday night and then a uh, a Sunday night, I believe. Maybe we got one more last year. I don't know. But I do know that uh, if the Browns are good towards the end of the regular season, they most likely will get flexed into one of the games at the end. Um, so we might have an additional there. And... Yeah, I thought that the schedule was interesting. We have about a middle-of-the-road difficulty schedule, uh, judging by the records of our opponents from last year. Um, yeah, the Browns don't really play a game where I feel like it's probably going to be a loss until they go to Baltimore on October 23rd. Everything else, yeah, I and I mean, even that you would say is not totally unwinnable. But like, if we have Deshaun Watson at that point. No, it's not totally unwinnable because I I, if we have Deshaun Watson, I think we have a better team than Baltimore. Panthers away, Jets home, Steelers home, Falcons away. We have to start Charger, three and one at Chargers least. home, Patriots home. So, like, yeah, I mean, in theory, those are all winnable games. You know, Bengals home October 31st, uh, Dolphins away. You, know, you don't, again, you don't get to any really hard. This four and five away stretch is where it really starts getting difficult. Where you have to go to Miami. Luckily, the first game is on theory on paper. Six not out of the nine. Hard. Six out of the nine games uh, after the bye are on the road. That's you know, that's that's the tough part. At Buffalo, oof. Home against Tampa, oof. At Houston, I mean that doesn't look juicy, but you know Deshaun Watson's return to Houston. I mean maybe the Texans will be really up for that one. And then after that, I don't think it's know, gonna matter. They stink. Mostly all division games from then on, other than I think the Saints home and the Commanders away. So Commandos, yeah. I think that isn't that on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yeah. In Washington, it's a New Year's Day game. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Could wonder. Be. Wonder if. Wonder if the Buckeyes will be playing on the same day. I think they would move those games to the second or the thirty-first. I would think they yeah, wouldn't maybe. go up. They wouldn't go up against the NFL. Well, isn't the well? Yeah, I mean, isn't tradition that the Rose Bowl is played on? It is tradition that they would play on New Year's Day. So I don't know. We'll see. Against the NFL, though, that's yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So I, I I think um, I can't remember the the four weeks before the bye and the three weeks after the bye is going to determine our season. Yeah, if you look back to before the bye week, that's where you have the four game stretch where you have Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, and Bengals. None of those are gimmies, but three of them are at home. So if if you are protecting home field like you should. And then the three after? Uh, the three after are Miami, Buffalo, and Tampa. Yeah. If the Browns can go four and three in that stretch, assuming they get off to like a like a three and one or four and oh start, I think we're going to be sitting really pretty in the division. I would absolutely sign up for that right now. Because oh, 100%. I think there's two games out of there that I absolutely cannot see us winning, and those are the games at Buffalo and Baltimore. But who knows? Yeah, the Buffalo the, the Buffalo's going to be especially Tampa's tough. Tampa's definitely not a gimme either. But. I'm 
hey, it's after Thanksgiving by then. It might be snowy. That might screw up. I'm not as big on Baltimore as everybody. Baltimore to Browns, and I, and I understand why, you know, given past performances against that team and even Pittsburgh too, but Baltimore especially, it feels like like Browns fans feel like, like Baltimore's like the boogeyman or something. They're a bogey team for us. I mean, I, mean, I get that, like we, but – Many I times, just, many winnable games against them, we just can't listen, come through for some reason. I'm not here to say that Lamar Jackson's not any good. What I am here to say is I believe that his contract situation is going to weigh over his and the team's head that entire season because the word out of Baltimore is the Ravens are begging him to sign an extension, but he's not returning their calls. And mm. I think what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson is fueling a lot of this. And it makes sense, given the comments of Steve Bishotti, the Ravens owner, after the Browns signed Deshaun Watson to that contract, because he knows that now if he's going to keep Lamar Jackson, he's going to have to give Lamar Jackson exactly that contract or more. Because when a new quarterback signs a contract, that becomes the baseline for the quarterbacks that are coming up after him. So Lamar Jackson's the next one in line to get a contract extension. So it, I, I think it might. We'll see. But I don't know. He's don't, a guy that's got a lot to prove, and like, I almost well, I even know, even, I though, even though I don't like Baltimore, like I'm I've almost become an apologist for them because like they finished eight nine last year. People were kind of like off their bandwagon right now, thinking they they didn't do that well. They were eight and three, and then he, Jackson gets injured against the Browns, which ultimately they didn't win again after that. Yeah, you know, did I don't know? To me, it seems pretty cut cut and dry with that but uh well that well that's yeah. what seems like like if he if he struggles uh they have no chance true so you could say that about quarterback on a lot of teams but he but it's especially true there right but i mean like it it's it's almost like for for him and the ravens like there's no more pressure on a quarterback this year than lamar jackson because we now know if he's not there or he doesn't play well the ravens have no chance they're done just so like they were this past season it's all on him and yeah, you can say that about a lot of teams. You could probably say that about the Chiefs. You know, you can say that about uh, definitely true in the Chiefs' case because their defense is terrible. Uh, Dallas with Dak, you could probably we, say we that. saw that with Dak Prescott. The uh, year he went down, they went five and eleven. So there's a lot of teams that are like that. It's, it's not just like like Baltimore centric with that take, but um, with that contract and the fact that you know, and his playing style and the fact that we now know that he can get injured. It's it's going to be a dicey season for Baltimore. And yeah, if everything breaks well, they could they could win the division and be one of the top seeds in the AFC. But in this, for them, I think everything has to break well for them to do that. They have no receivers whatsoever. I mean, yeah, they nobody have, that's any good. They have a really good tight end, yeah, but they have no receivers, none. So it's going to be interesting. I do think it's in the same vein. I do think it's to the Browns' credit that you know Baker Mayfield had such an injury riddled and and season where he really struggled and yet the team still went eight and nine against a pretty difficult schedule yeah i mean the, the wheels could have very easily come off much worse than that when you think about it could have yeah so so yeah we'll see what happens but uh um okay real quick i got a question to ask you i don't know why this popped into my head but i wanted to ask you this okay um real quick off the cuff n64 gamecube n64 Okay, why? Just a lot more iconic games. Um, I, I think the, the overall quality was just better. 
I mean, the GameCube definitely had its really fair share of titles, but like they were just more spaced out. And then you had a few that were just kind of like, I mean, even if you look at the Zelda games, for example, like you're going to put up Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask against the Wind Waker. I mean, okay. I mean, you, you don't even um, have to go. You, you don't even have to go. For, yeah, with, we, we with can go me, through each one, but like know, that's with, that's with, pretty cut and dry there. With me, you don't even have to go past the first one. It's Ocarina of Time. It's the greatest video game of all time, right? Uh, but I I agree with you. I I think N sixty four, and also you saw the the creation of franchises such as Mario Kart, uh, Super Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Those were those were N sixty four creations, right? Smash Brothers was in ninety nine. Yes, yeah. uh, for the N sixty four. Mario Kart 64 was actually the second Mario Kart. The, there was one for the Super NES before oh, that. Oh, okay. But still excellent. And and I would argue that the the Mario Kart one for the GameCube, Double Dash, was probably the worst in the franchise. Yeah. So just like Wind Waker is probably the worst in the Zelda franchise too. Yeah. And then the uh, the Super Mario for N64 is my favorite Mario game ever. Yeah, Super Mario 64 is iconic. It was um, it was yeah. incredible. It was the almost literally the well, it was Nintendo's first fully 3D game. I don't know if it was. I mean, the Sega Dreamcast I think came out before the N64, so they may have actually had the first. And but. then uh, my favorite baseball game of all time was on N64, King Griffey Jr. Baseball. Oh, great game! The greatest. All three of those games: um, the original in '94, and then Winning Run in '96, and then uh, that game in '98 were all excellent. What was it on the on the C pad? Left, right, left, left, right, left, right for auto home run. Uh, or something like are you that. Think, are you thinking of triple play? I, I don't know if that was a thing. No, but... I think that was a thing with, if you had Griffey. Oh, really? Yeah, I think there was a home run cheat code for Griffey on the on the, uh, on the the N64 controller. I wonder if my brother still has it out in Palo Alto or whatever. I got to go <laughs> I gotta go investigate this. Man, we got to have an N64 night. Next time he comes into town, he's not allowed to come to Cleveland without bringing that with him. He's, the next time I'm going to see him is actually in New Jersey in six weeks from now. So All right, well, have him bring it there, he's, and then you bring it back. He's got to bring it to Sea Isle City. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you that real quick. I went, I don't know why that popped into my head. Yeah, I don't think there's really too much of a debate on that, Yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Even Wave Race was better on the 64. Oh, another one. <laughs> totally forgot about Wave Race. That was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, what had the you? most annoying announcer of all oh. time, but other than that, it was great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to go through that, and then uh, little uh, Syria update: AC Milan with a two nothing win over Atalanta this past Sunday. Watched that game uh, in Hocking Hills. I wasn't going to miss it for the world. So um, AC Milan is now one point away from clinching the Scudetto. They need a draw against Sassuolo on Sunday. And uh, I'll be having a watch party here in at my house for whoever wants to come over Sunday at noon. So AC Milan and Inter will be playing at the exact same time. Uh, what's interesting is I texted Jordan about coming over and watching that because he said he wanted to. But with Arsenal literally crapping themselves over the last two weeks, Tottenham is now in a position to clinch Champions League football. I think this weekend, and they play at the exact same time as AC Milan does. So Jordan's like, "Can we get two TVs or something?" I think the Premier League their games start at eleven o'clock, and then okay. Serie A now, but there is an overlap there. Yeah, uh, but we got to talk about that a little bit here because oh, um, Arsenal, Arsenal absolutely crapped themselves. Was four points ahead of Tottenham with three games left to go. 
They had to play at Tottenham on the in the North London Derby last Thursday. They yep. got romped three to nothing, but they could still Arsenal still had the chance to right the ship. And yep. all they had left was games against Newcastle and Everton. All they had to do was win those, and they were going to finish in the in fourth place and go to the Champions League. Ladies and gentlemen, Newcastle United Football Club has been, other than Man City and Liverpool, the best team in the Premier League in in the second half of the season. Yeah, well, they they, they have been awesome. They have thirty five points in the last eighteen games. They um they made some they made some you know everybody everybody assumed that when the uh, new uh, ownership group came in, they were just going to throw money around left and right. In their first transfer uh, window in January, they actually made a, a lot of very smart signings. You know, they didn't go crazy like they like signing uh, Kieran Trippier, uh, Kieran Trippier, Bruno, um, uh, Bruno Gamaresh, yes, Dan Byrne. I mean, and these then, guys and are then hiring uh, hiring uh, Ed, was Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe, yeah, a longtime le- Bournemouth manager, a legit manager. And like you said, they've been the, they've been the outside of Liverpool and Man City, they've been the best team in the Premier League since January. Well, I know how important the manager is. So there's this uh, Bruno Guimaraes is Brazilian, so yep. he may have had some impact on this one guy, but uh, Joel, Joel Linton, who is oh, who is yeah. also Brazilian, so he comes into Newcastle two seasons ago from Hoffenheim. Was he Newcastle's uh, biggest signing ever, as far as money wise? Uh, money wise, forty million dollars. Yeah. Yes, that was it was their top transfer fee ever. I think still is. He comes from Hoffenheim, where he'd been playing on the right wing for most of his career. Yeah. They make they try to make him an out and out number nine. Number nine, yeah, and I thought- which was ridiculous. He never was a, a center forward ever before. He struggles hugely for a year and a half under Steve Bruce. He finally gets the sack after Newcastle had like eleven points. Out I, don't under- I don't understand. I don't understand why these coaches. It, it just it shows how limited they are as managers. Where they come in and they're like, I have a formation that I like to play most. It doesn't matter if the players I have don't fit it. We're going to play it. So it's a lot of square peg, round hole stuff. It takes a manager like Eddie Howe that comes in and says, what the hell have these people been doing? This guy clearly is a winger. We're going to play him in his best position, and we're going to fit everything else around it. Sure enough, the guy fires in a perfect cross that you know Ben White can only bundle into his own neck because if, <laughs> if he wasn't there, Callum Wilson would have put it in. Yeah, you know, and then Bruno Gamares, who we just mentioned, gets the second goal, and you know Newcastle pulls out the army. There goes Arsenal. I think what wasn't uh, Bruno Gamares? Uh, didn't he go to Newcastle over Arsenal in in January? He did actually. Yeah. So he he might have been he might be the guy that puts the final nail in Arsenal's coffin. So basically, uh, Tottenham plays Norwich City now. Worst okay. team in the league. But I'll say this: Listen, it wouldn't be above no. uh, it wouldn't be above Tottenham to go and bottle that one. No, come on. I listen. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a potential for it. They're in the same situation as AC Milan. They only need a draw to get yeah. fourth place. Well, they only need a draw to get fourth place. AC Milan needs a draw to win a friggin' trophy. To win a friggin' trophy, and. It, it's, it's worth mentioning that the Premier League title race is a very similar situation. Manchester yeah, with Liber- City Liverpool coming back and is, winning today, two to one. They were down. They were losing to Southampton at yeah. one point. Yes, they they rallied from behind, win that game two one. So they're a point behind Manchester City, which is a little more interesting than in terms of the title situation than Inter Milan. Just from the standpoint of if Liverpool were to score first, let's say in their game on Sunday, the live table. They would actually jump Manchester City on the live table. Yeah. If Inter scores first against Milan, they they move level. Milan would actually have to go behind against Sassuolo, which I mean, 
Can happen. Sassuolo, Sassuolo, Sassuolo beat Milan in their first three to one up. at the San Siro. They so, were one of only two teams to win at the San Siro against Milan this year. Yeah. So I'm not. You know, I. Oh God. No. You know what? This team is playing too well right now. I, they're going to get the job done. I think they're going to score early against Sassuolo, and I think they have the best defense in Serie A. They're going to take that lead, and they are just going to suffocate the Sassuolo attack. And I think Milan's going to win outright. And it's not going to be none of this, oh, we tied on points, but Milan wins the trophy because they have more points head-to-head against Inter because Inter fans will be like, oh, it's tied championship. You guys didn't actually win. We tied on points. No. Milan's going to go in there. Not gonna really. They're going to get the three points. Yeah, right. They're going to – no. They, yeah, the trophy, that's, like, that's like college football where they're like, oh, yeah. well, we got a share yeah, of the Big Ten title. Get no, you, no, you didn't. Here. Yeah, right. <laughs> who's playing Who's playing in the Rose Bowl or the or in the college football who's, playoff? Who's got the trophy? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if if Inter and Milan uh, end up level on points on uh, on Sunday, uh, the trophy will be residing in Casa Milan. So uh, that's where that is. Although I think Milan's going to win the game outright. They are in too good a form right now to just go ahead and just completely fall off now. And I think they they can smell it, they can taste it, and they know that all they need is a point. So I think they're going to go ahead and do it. Um, and also, I love the fact that these leagues uh, wait. They don't announce the start times for the last week of the season until they find out who's in the title race. So they put the they put the the the, the title contending teams all at the same time. Mm-hmm. That way, there's no like, you know, scoreboard watching or whatever. They got to figure it. Out. And what what's what's even great about that is like, let's say, uh, even though it's a road game for Milan, they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of fans there uh, at Sassuolo. Let's say sure. they're let's say they're playing their game and it's tied 0-0 or whatever. If Sampdoria goes and takes a one nothing lead against Inter, you're gonna hear a giant roar at the stadium at, at uh, Sassuolo, like in the 18th minute or whatever, and everybody's gonna be like, "What the hell? What the hell happened?" Like the oh, ball will be out for a throw in or yeah. something. It'll just be or it'll just be time. or or it'll just yeah. be like Milan kicking it uh, across their back line when they're trying to recycle possession, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden all the Milan fans just absolutely erupt, and and you'll hear the announcers go. Oh, that must mean uh, we've got something going on in uh, Inter and Sampdoria. Let's go to uh, let's go to the news desk and uh, see what happened. And they go and replay the 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 goal or whatever. That's what I love about these games being played at the same time because you get those live reactions from the fans. It's fantastic. It really is great theater when you have every team playing at the same time on the final day. And Major League Baseball recognized this because on the final day of the MLB season. All the teams in the Eastern Time Zone play at three o'clock, and all the teams on the West Coast play at twelve o'clock. Sure, they, they they all play at the same time. I wish like hell the NFL would do this, and they've gone backwards in recent years. They're now having games on Saturday on the final week, which because really they're worried is, about they're worried about dominating the ratings and making as much money. money as possible. Yeah, yeah. it's total money. That's like, what they do. I just that's what they do. But this so this is doubly important for Milan, and I'll explain this. Not only is it obviously important for Milan to win their first Scudetto uh, since 2011, if they win the Scudetto, they go from probably pot four again in the UEFA Champions League draw to they will go to pot one right, being their a league UEFA, champion. Right, because their UEFA coefficient is not good relative to a lot of teams. Right, right. So, And we saw last year, once Milan got back into the Champions League, they were put in pot four because they hadn't been in the tournament so long, they had a really bad coefficient, mm-hmm. and they were stuck in the group of death. So yeah. if Milan's Liverpool, in, Atletico Madrid, and yeah. Porto. If Milan's in pot one, their probability of being put in a similar group goes down drastically. And a really good example of this also came from this past year, Lille, 
who was the champion of yeah. Ligue 1 um, last year, yep. who had a really and a worse UEFA coefficient than Milan, they ended up in a group that was such that they won their group outright and made it all the way to the round, actually won a knockout yeah. round series too. I mean, you think about it. If, if a team like AC Milan is in pot four, whatever group they go into is probably going to be the hardest group because they're the, probably. Best, they're the, best, they're the best fourth team. Yeah, I mean, unless if they ended up against the champion of Ligue 1 or yeah. the Eredivisie, right? Yeah, you know, which I believe are the, the fifth and eighth best. League. Yeah, the Eredivisie yeah. I think is the lowest league that gets pot one, which is basically every year's IX. Yeah, uh, most years, yeah, most years, yeah. I think Rotterdam was actually, or Feyenoord, I think was actually the winner they, last year. Yeah, they but, won. IX won it again this year, and then their manager is yeah. going to Manchester United, and he'll be fired in three years. So, um. <laughs> is that Eric Ten Hag you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, he's going. He's going to Man U. All I know is that they, he, he put, um, oh gosh, what was the name of, nah, never mind. Yeah, so uh, that that's where that's where things stand. AC Milan needs one point. Needs one point. Doesn't matter what Inter does. The only way it matters what Inter does is if AC Milan loses. If AC Milan loses, and uh, they would need a Inter draw or loss to win the Scudetto. But I don't think that's going to happen. Milan, like I said, has been playing too well. They had. Uh, an absolute world-class goal with their second score by Teo Hernandez, who took the ball coast to coast and just dribbled all throughout the Atlant- the Atalanta defense and uh, scored the second goal. Absolute world-class. That's uh, one of the most exciting plays in all sports. Oh, coast when, to coast. When a, when a soccer player picks yeah. up the ball at the halfway line or even beyond the oh, halfway about, line. It was at the other 18. And, and Oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Atalanta was in attack. And uh, a defender uh, had a really good tackle and poked the ball away. Went to Teo Hernandez at the top left uh, corner of the 18. And he dribbled it all throughout the, the field, going through about five or six defenders on his way to uh, slotting it. That's unbelievable. Like, you figure at some point one of the defenders would just bring him down yeah, I'll for sure. a foul. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. So, But that's where that stands. So hopefully on next week's episode on Tuesday, we will be celebrating a – AC Milan Serie A uh, title. I know uh, my brother Mike won't really care about that, but uh, um, speaking of that, hopefully we'll see. Hopefully next week, we'd like to get my brothers back on the show. Tentatively, I think they're going to come on, but we'll we'll see as we get closer. I'll confirm that with them. Uh, we is this going to be our final installment the, of the, the twenty four special game? conclusion to the twenty four yes. game? Um, and I mean we're going to close out this episode by kind of just recapping where we've been up to this point but I'll just say that next week we have a very very special 24 game so last year a whole bunch of clubs in Europe tried to form an entity called the European Super League and it didn't exactly go so well for them well guess what we're gonna do that we're gonna do what some of these folks like Allegri and um Perez and these these leaders of these European clubs and Alexander Safir and what they just made a complete gobbledygook mess of it. Well, we're going to make sense of it. We're going to pick a 24 game of the European Super League. So, and hopefully we'll have all four of us to be able to do that. So it's going to be a little different because we're going to be picking teams in instead of taking teams out. But uh, it's going to be great. So anyway, to kind of recap it, so we've done all four of the major North American leagues, the NBA. MLB, the NFL, and the NHL. We've taken the teams. We've gone down from 30 and 32 teams, respectively, down to 24 teams in each league. And I'll just kind of 
we'll go through each league and then uh, just go from by city by city uh, what the main major impact of this was. So to recap, the NBA, we eliminated the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Magic, the Thunder, and the Nets. So the new divisional alignment, you get, get a little of this. East would be Boston, New York, Knicks, Toronto, Philadelphia, Washington, and Charlotte. The North Division would be Cleveland, Detroit, Indianapolis, Chicago, Milwaukee, and Minnesota. The South is now Atlanta, Miami, Memphis, Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. And the West is Denver, Utah, Phoenix, Los Angeles Lakers, Golden State, and Portland. Which I think is almost perfect geography, actually, and actually incorporates pretty much all the rivalries you have in the NBA. So as far as the new NBA goes, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm pumped. I'd love to see that. I don't know about you, but I feel good. I feel I feel good. <laughs> Can't touch this. Anyway, moving on to Major League Baseball. We eliminated I, I was doing Pitbull and you went MC Hammer. <laughs> uh, MLB, we eliminated the Mets, the Orioles, the Pirates, the Marlins, the White Sox, and the A's. This left us with an East Division of Boston, New York Yankees, Toronto, Philadelphia, Washington, and Tampa Bay. A North Division of Cleveland, Detroit, Cincinnati, Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee, and Minnesota. South is Atlanta, St. Louis, Kansas City, Houston, Texas, and Colorado. And then the West is Arizona, San Diego, Anaheim, Los Angeles Dodgers, San Francisco, and Seattle. And we've kind of nuked the American League and National League here. I originally put up a setup for the the AL and the NL, like East-West, but with the designated hitter now being used all across baseball, I feel like it's kind of the identity, the split identity mm-hmm. of the American League and National League is much less than it is now, especially now with that and interleague play. So I decided to go geographical. I don't know about you, but I would love having teams like the Reds and the Cubs in the division. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And we lose the Royals, which I don't, I never really thought fit the Royals in there anyway. So, I, yeah, as with the NBA, I'd be like super pumped, like, hey, let's go, you know? Mm-hmm. And pretty much, again, all of your traditional rivalries in baseball are pretty much contained within these 16 divisions. So, the first two leagues, I think, worked out dead solid perfect, more or less. Once we got to the NFL, We'll we'll see. Here's how the new NFL shakes out. The East, you've got the Patriots, the Giants, the Bills, the Eagles, the Commanders, and the Cowboys, who I originally had slotted elsewhere, but for rivalry purposes, I decided to put them back in the East. In the North, you had Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Chicago, Green Bay, and Minnesota. I like that. You'd be playing the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings. I mean, t- I mean, talk about t- talk about the the historical division of the NFL. I mean, there it is. I mean, those are those are all the the you know the historical franchises. Basically, all of them have been around for forever. I mean, other than the Vikings, I mean, even the Vikings have been around for a long time too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you eliminated the Ravens. So uh, I actually didn't of course even mention I did. this. So get out. I kind of switched this. The Jaguars, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Jets, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Falcons, and the Titans were the teams that got eliminated. So, again, I've already gone through the east and north. The south division is now Carolina, Miami, Tampa, 
New Orleans, Houston, and Indianapolis, who kind of got screwed over there geographically, but they're still in with the teams they're playing with now, so it really doesn't look too bad on paper. And then out west, you've got Kansas City, Denver, Las Vegas, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco, and Seattle. In the end, it kind of works, even though, again, the rivalries make it so that you have a few teams like Dallas and Indy that are you know, out of place geographically, but mm-hmm. it still makes sense to put them where they are. Right. So then, and you know what? I was kind of upset about you knocking out the Ravens at first, but you know what? It's whatever. Get Goodbye. Out. Get out of out. here. Get out. I can't really say the team the same about how the NHL quote the Dan nevermore. You know, I'm still sort of salty that we knocked out the Penguins. I just, but Get I'm out. not going to pontificate on. Good that. morning, how do you good afternoon. Got a five-time hey. Stanley Cup champion. Hey, like, did they or did they not just blow a three-one lead and got eliminated? Did they? They did indeed. I was foreshadowing. That's pretty bad. <laughs> it happens. It happens a lot more in hockey than in other sports, but still, blowing a three-one lead. Good morning, good afternoon, good. good night. Get out. Hey, that's a good good plug to talk badly about Pittsburgh. That's nice right. Done. So the Coyotes, the Panthers, the Senators, the Hurricanes, the Sharks, the Predators, the Penguins, and the Kraken were the teams that we eliminated, and Jordan even gave his final sign-off on. He didn't even use the golden buzzer that we gave him. <laughs> so for the new NHL, you're, you don't even really have – so here's the East Division. you got Boston, New York Rangers, New York Islanders, New Jersey – Philadelphia and Washington. North I call this the Northeast Division. Montreal, Toronto, Buffalo, Columbus, Detroit, and Tampa Bay, who really doesn't fit anywhere else. Right. Really. Um they're they're like over they're almost a thousand miles away from the nearest team now because of all the cuts we made in the South. Central Division, you have Chicago, St. Louis, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Dallas, and Colorado. I mean, it's, talk about geogra- geographically being far apart. You've got Dallas in the same one with Winnipeg. It's a heck of a trip for an individual game. Yeah. And then the West, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Las Vegas, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. That's almost like split half and half kind of. you got half the teams in Canada and then half in, like, Southern California and Nevada. So the NHL works out a little bit freaky in terms of the divisional setup. The the alternative way would have been to like just put the six teams in Canada on one. Then you'd have like Montreal and Toronto going all the way out to Vancouver. I, yeah. I I didn't think that made a lot of sense. So now on a broader level, here are all the cities that lost the teams and how many? New York was the biggest loser. They lost three. But they already had like eight to begin with. So really I think they'll survive. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Nashville, Phoenix, and L.A. all lost two. Out of this group, Nashville was the biggest loser because they only have two teams, and they lost them both. Yeah, we don't think Nashville deserves pro sports teams, I guess. And act- Well, actually, hold on. I spoke too soon. Baltimore is also in that boat. Actually, Nashville has one professional sports team relate, uh, remaining. MLS? Yeah. We didn't do MLS. No. And I don't know enough about MLS to, to I mean do it. the easy way out if we were to do twenty four game for the MLS would be to just say, Okay, the three Canadian teams, um, Montreal Impact, Toronto F C and Vancouver Whitecaps, we're just gonna ship you off to the Canadian Premier League and you're done. <laughs> and then just eliminate one team, which you could knock out L A F C or something. I think Toronto I think Toronto F C makes too much money for the MLS for them to just 
but, in, but I, it would never happen in reality. Yeah, just, that, that I mean that's the beauty of the twenty four game. That's this is this is our decision. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just thinking that's the like under a minute version of the MLS twenty four games. So I don't think right. everybody wants to hear that. But be that as it may, Baltimore and Nashville were big losers. They lost both of their teams in the four major leagues. Pittsburgh lost two, one of which I thought was completely justified. The other was completely not. But Get out. be that as it may, they're down to just the Steelers. Atlanta also lost two teams, as did Phoenix, well, or Arizona, Glendale, whatever you want to call it. Then all these other cities lost one. Ottawa, Jacksonville, Miami, Chicago. Actually, no, excuse me. Miami area lost two. Uh, they lost the Marlins and the Panthers. I didn't include the Panthers because they played in Fort Lauderdale. So put Miami actually in the two group. So Ottawa, Jacksonville, Chicago, Detroit, Raleigh, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, Oakland, San Jose, and Seattle all lost single teams. And in the cases of Oakland, San Jose, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, and Raleigh, and Jacksonville, and Ottawa. See, we talk about how we hit all the multi-team markets. All seven of those cities I just named had single franchises, hmm. and they're now out. Goodbye. So this this hit not just big markets. It hit small markets. It hit a total very large cross-section of North America, as one would expect. And perhaps because it's a Cleveland podcast, all three of our teams, we're all good to go. That's right. We're the big league city. So anyway, that is the 24 game. We've got one more arm of that to go we'll hopefully do that next week with some special guests and uh, we'll put a nice bow on this segment of lotl so uh that is pretty much going to do it for us on this episode we appreciate you guys listening as always episode 211 of living off the land uh you can follow us on social media at the lotl podcast and uh we'll uh we'll talk to you guys uh next week so for Steven, I'm Dan. You've been listening to LOTL, and uh, have a good week, everybody. See ya. Bye.